how are you managing HR in your business? Is this one of those decisions that you've been kicking down the road? In today's conversation, I'm speaking with Mindy Flanagan, the founder of Inspiring HR. She and her company provides HR leadership when your business is big enough to hire a team, but not big enough to hire an HR internal support person. In this conversation, we talk about the importance of having HR systems in place, not just to protect your business, but also to set the tone for the culture of your organization. Hello, my name is Mary Maduna Gross, and you're listening to Fully Alive, the podcast for conscious entrepreneurs who are hungry to live their purpose, expand their impact, and create with ease. How do I fast forward to now? I had opportunities to work in various HR capacities that all just compiled together nicely into what I feel makes me a strong leader, which is I love to lead, but I'm I'm great at um, strategic planning. I'm, I'm definitely the visionary in the organization. But my why in all of that is the serving small business owners, getting that I get totally charged watching a small business owner, light bulbs go off and this makes sense and this is worth investing in. And when I can, my big win is when I say, yes, HR and HR infrastructure is worth investing in sooner than later. Yeah. It's just a great moment for me because I know the valuable uh, value of sensible HR for small business, yeah. but getting other people to believe that and come on that journey with us is a whole different conversation because sometimes they're jaded. They have prior experience right. with HR people that were not positive. And yep. they, they take that, that those assumptions and that baggage with them if they're now a, a small business owner or a leader in what's called the C-suite. So, so there's that. So I love serving the small business community. But more importantly, I really love leadership. And what brings me joy every day, continued joy every day, is leading the HR consultants on our team and hopefully welcoming a few more to our team as we grow. Um, I'm a little bit of a I'd say I'm a control freak in how fast mm -hmm. I want us to grow. Um, and I've even dabbled now with how big do we want to get? Because part of what fills my heart mm -hmm. is the fact that even though I don't have everybody reporting to me because I share leadership responsibilities with other people at 10 and maybe even at 15, I could still really know everybody on our team reasonably well, right? Sure. Have, a, have sure. a good connected relationship with them because we're a distributed workforce. You know, there's 10 of us in seven states. So I'm mindful of the importance of relationships and connectivity, but what I what I really love is how I've been able to turn remote work works for me to HR done differently for our clients as much as we apply it internally. I'm the boss and I get to say full time is 30 hours a week around here, not 40. Where what the federal labor law written in 1938 says, I know what works for us. Right. I know how to operate on the averages, know how to hold people accountable while still giving them a lot of autonomy and flexibility. That's what I created for myself. And I'm really proud of and continue to be fueled by the fact that I, I hope for the people that told me this job worked for them because of those reasons. And yeah. it makes them love their HR career more that that feeds my heart and my soul. Yeah. So those are my two whys. I love that. I love how clear you are on that as well. Have you always been clear on your why, or is that something that evolved for you? Um, I think it evolved. Um, you know, for those of us that know Simon Sinek and have seen his Golden Circle talks and find your why, 
There's yep. like anything with some of these speakers we're attracted to, there's parts of it that resonate with you. And then you kind of make up your own recipe that, that makes sense right. that applies right. to your current situation. Um, how, what the why behind inspiring HR, I might have written it differently from 2007 to present, but at the heart, it's still the same with the why for small businesses and, and why I have the passion there. I started out with trying to help small business owners realize that if they didn't put HR in place, they were running a risk of labor law compliance fines, which is still true, but fear selling is not attractive to anybody. I needed to, and since we were inspiring HR, I needed to grow and mature and evolve in my messaging to small business owners to convince them that, yeah, you need to comply with labor laws, but it's so much more than that in terms of add value. And that's been a fun journey, sort of explaining the why, the what, and the how. I think I can resonate uh, with that experience because also when we're talking about leadership and mindset, mm-hmm. um, there too, I think it's one of those things that often seems as maybe a luxury for business owners. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When uh, what I think I'm hearing you say about HR is it's not a luxury. It's put these policies and procedures into place now because it's going to save you. I'm going to say this, a shit ton of headaches down the road. Yeah. You know what? It's been fun to watch this evolution too, even as we've matured as an organization and brought on some really strategic minded individuals and this evolution of culture, workplace culture matters a whole lot more now than it did five, 10 years ago. Um, And I think that's going to continue because I think we're going to be facing labor shortages for the rest of my career, honestly. Um, So that, that puts a heightened awareness on culture and the employee experience, but the great part about that evolution and who we have on our team and how we work with our clients is we're able to listen to them when they tell us about their annual business plan, quarterly rocks, their milestones, their goals, even their goals five years out. A lot of them don't spot the underlying HR infrastructure or HR related elements of being able to achieve those goals. We Mm -hmm. can, you know, when you say, we need to grow to capacity. An HR person would say, well, you need a hiring plan. You need job descriptions, right? The right. person top level C-suite, they're not necessarily, they don't necessarily have the experience to say there's HR project plans that are embedded in all of these goals. And we're able to spot those and then help them advance that plan with HR projects that complement achieving those goals. Even as you, I hear you describe that, it just felt like you've got somebody coming along with you. I think that right. this whole experience of entrepreneurship can feel very lonely mm-hmm. and we have to have such a wide breadth of knowledge and skills that mm-hmm. I don't think any one of us could be an expert in all of it. No. And so there's going to be something that we're going to need to surround ourselves with someone who can really kind of take the lead for us, not as in replacement of us and, and our responsibility, but bring us along on that. So I don't have to invest a whole lot of time and and energy into mastering this when I can find someone who I could partner with that I could trust and could help lead me uh, in the way that the business needs to be led. Yeah, and we see that. And that's also an exciting trend for us is um, we were working for a long time with the businesses that probably would never hire a full-time HR person. They never really wanted to grow class 25 or 30 employees maybe up to 50, but what states they're in dictates how complicated that gets. Now we're seeing those HR, we call them the HR departments of one. They've got an HR manager, an HR generalist. They're about 50 employees, but they may have employees in other states. And 
they've got that seat at the table. Mm -hmm. but no one is enthusiastic about putting another HR person on payroll, an administrator yeah. or a coordinator. And so now we have skilled HR people reaching out to us to partner with them for the extra capacity and to not be so lonely in that HR department of one and, and tackle the projects that are on their list, but inevitably get keep getting pushed down the list that are important. Yep. They just don't have the time and the capacity to get them done as quickly as they'd like. So that's a really great trend for us. Um, and then for the, this is always, still funny to me, why finance and HR people end up as one in the same in a growing business is like, I guess I somewhat get it. I mean, I'm even guilty of making one person be three things because we're a growing business as well. Sure. Um, you know, like the working managers, you know, they're a manager, they're a leader, but they're also servicing clients. Guilty, totally guilty of that. Um, but the controller, right, or the accountant, the accounting person that just because they're reporting payroll, somehow now we're assuming they're also the HR person, that's a, somebody great for us to work with because they sort of reluctantly inherited HR by bad assumptions. They don't know what they're doing. They've never even studied labor laws. So they need a partner with, like us to give them that extra capacity, particularly when they're amongst a, a group of leaders that says no way jose we're not hiring an hr person maybe we're a little less threatening because we're not on payroll and we're an outsourcing right. partner, not necessarily right. somebody you're adding to payroll so that that okay. works well for us too but that, that's kind of how we service our our key market thank you so much for describing what it is that you do because again it's really important and, and sometimes we just need to hear that it's okay to leverage out some of these responsibilities that you're not an expert in. Right, right. And don't yeah. want to be an expert in, probably. Yeah. And that's okay, yeah. too. Yeah. Yeah. So let's shift and talk about the leader, the conscious entrepreneur, the owner, the leader. From your perspective, what, what would be a bit of advice that you would give them? Hmm. God, so much. The first thing I tell them is if they're going to bed with a knot in their stomach or the sense of they didn't finish something today that they should have, but they can't put their finger on it and they need to go to bed anyway, I empathize. I do it all the time. You know, where you could sit at your desk till 10, 11, 12 at night and just keep going. But this evolution of somewhere in your head that you know you need to get better at boundaries management, right? You need to yeah. find these places to just stop and pause and realize that this pursuit of this finish line isn't really real. So my tidbit is start to define what your boundaries are and try and honor them. Start to make some deals with yourself. Sometimes your family will force you to. Um, mine did. Mine okay. Did. Um, you know, we're we're uh, we're contemplating where we will go next. That home office will not be right next to the living room, because when home office is right next to the living room, I am very visible to everybody else on how late I'm working and that I didn't show up at the dinner table and these these small tiny cuts over time that eat away at the personal relationships in the house. And and really, if you work from home in particular, you need boundaries and you for need sure. an office where when you shut the door, that means you've left the building for the day and you aren't going back in there. It, yeah. It's really better for your psyche. Exhausting yourself if you're leading other people doesn't do anybody any good. It doesn't do you good. It doesn't do those that depend on you any good because whether or not you're willing to admit it, when you're exhausted, you become impatient and you can yeah. become emotional. And 
that doesn't lead to great decision making and your behaviors do trickle down to everybody else whether you like it or not yeah, yeah. well it, and your your overall energy right mm -hmm. we talk about energy being contagious you know we know those people that walk into a room and just light up a room that's their mm -hmm. energy we mm -hmm. also know those people that walk into a room and everybody kind of scatters or just kind mm -hmm. of mentally shuts down I often think of that music, you know, dun, dun, dun. <laughs> right. Oh, yes. I hope that's never what I sound like when I go in the room. <laughs> and so this, you started this out by paying attention to what is going on in your head when you're hitting the pillow at night. Mm -hmm. um, wow, that's a, that's a tough time of the day to work because we're exhausted already at that point. Um, <clears throat> So have you found any tricks that help you before you get to the end of the day and you're exhausted that help you stay focused without being overworked, right? Because we're all good at being focused, I think. Uh-huh. It's called my brain dump. I for as long as technology will exist, block timing on my calendar, I do it. Task okay. list in our task management software or in Outlook, I do it. Those are reminders. Don't forget to do this. Don't forget to do that nothing helps me end a day better and clear my mind than writing down what's critical for tomorrow and it's almost become comical in our house i'll get up i'll have breakfast one of my boundary rules is no going into the office until you've eaten drank a glass of water and taken 30 minutes to just wake yourself up because i have the i have some employees that are in other time zones it's sure. not unlike me to start to work for a little while and then take what would be my lunch break early and walk the dog and do my exercising and stuff if my schedule allows but the funny part of this this trick i have to sort of download my brain so i can relax at night and go to sleep i just write it all down on a piece of paper and it sits by my phone for the morning because the phone does not come in the bedroom with me it stays Good in the for kitchen. you yes so my list and my phone are there for me in the morning Mm -hmm. But I'll get up in the morning and my husband will say, what do you got going on today? And I'll say, no, no, I always say, I don't know. I got to look at the list. But that's a good thing, because if mm -hmm. I knew off the top of my head first thing in the morning what I was doing, I probably didn't sleep well. Something was bothering me or making me feel like I had to turn it over in my head. So really, yeah, I love technology, but I get I'm just the person that's got to write it down to really download right. it out of my head. Yeah. Yeah. And that's something that I often uh, I do for myself and often talk with my clients as well, because what I have found is that when I write it down, I don't have to, to hold it all in my head anymore. That right. That's what was the challenge for me. Right. And and so what might if I write it down might be three to five things in my head, it feels like 10 to 20 things right. because they just they all just keeps moving around. Right. It's that. The, it's the thing that turns around. If it's turned around with no sensible list or due dates or anything, it, it feels like a heavier lift than it might be. Yeah. 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 You know, something else too uh, that you had said earlier about this, you know, the struggle. I think that some of us go to bed at night exhausted, reeling about what is what's coming tomorrow. And we almost have this assumption that that's kind of the road that I signed up for when I decided to become an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. And and recently, as I was, you know, going back on my own story, one of the things that I realized is, I mean, I never expected anything to be easy, but I didn't expect things to be as difficult as they were either. And I realized somewhere in there, 
what the, the struggle I extended my struggle because I believed that I was supposed to be struggling. Does that resonate with you at all? Yeah, might even be helpful to me as I navigate the rest of the day. <laughs> yeah, so as I was looking back on my story and, and really looking at, well, what, you know, why did I make those decisions? I, at some level, I expected life to be a struggle. And so when I was struggling, and maybe I'm twisting this a little bit, but it was almost a sign that I must be doing the right thing because I expected Interesting. to be struggling. Um, I don't know if that would be the same for me, but I'll tell you this, I expected or maybe wished to have more control over simplifying than yeah. I've been able to achieve. Just a perfect example, even where I lost a little bit of patience, I don't even remember what I was in. Technology is great, and then it's not. And I'm not talking yeah. about when it doesn't work. I'm talking about all this technology we need that benefits how we operate but when you sit up top and you go in there and you use the technology what's exhausting to me and might be a great to have but makes it for me more complicated every time i go into a piece of technology there's a new feature in there i don't know how to use when exactly. does this pop up yep. and then the guilt of am i underutilizing this thing that i'm paying for and what does this mean for our team and how do i integrate it into our standard operating procedures and it's just exhausting and it's with every piece of technology we subscribe to everything it happens yep. daily now and my whole passion of simplifying and staying in our lane and add adding value for a specific set of hr services i've been able to stick with that but the the behind the scenes understanding how to leverage our own infrastructure our own capacities our own skills our own team in the lens of utilizing all this technology, it is exhausting. It really is. So I think I've always forever gone with, not necessarily that's been harder, it's more complicated than I had expected it to be. And sometimes I just lament that I have such a struggle with QuickBooks sometimes. Yeah. And asking so many questions about my PL, my CPA should be sainted. Um that those are things you don't see coming and it's like you're happy to learn them but then on the flip side the complex decision making and sometimes the complex decision making of where does this expense belong in the standard expense category on the pnl seems like a simple decision but it's actually not because if you're going to compare numbers on your pnl year over year over year you need consistency so right. I, I think that's where there was complexity that continues to surprise me for sure, for sure. And that complexity then can get translated into that experience of struggle, right? That that panic in my gut every time I've got to update my technology and figure out how to use this now. Right. And, right. and yeah. you know, knowing me, I whatever I got into, I kind of got to it maybe, you know, 15, 20 minutes early. And mm -hmm. now I've got this to do. I didn't plan on that. And though all of those things amplify or or trigger our nervous system sure and oh my gosh and so now i, I kind of we instead of coming to it with this open mind and open heart you know every little struggle kind of closes us down a little bit closes yeah. us down a little bit more and and makes us as you were saying earlier short with other people we just don't have the capacity in those moments yeah when yeah, i was doing so just, when i was doing a training yesterday i had i i was talking to this leadership group and 
somebody asked me about self-awareness and self-regulation, and I don't know why this popped in my head. I adore our CPA and bookkeeper. Um, but to the point you're just making, I have always relied on the fact that I know when we close out the calendar year, which is also our fiscal year, and I know what the bookkeeper does after mm -hmm. that to get us ready for our escort filing. Mm -hmm. Now, apparently, even though my books are all ready, they're in great shape, we're probably going to be asking for a delay or an extension on our escort filing. Mm -hmm. Why? Well, thankfully, my CPA is paying attention to things I don't, like Virginia doing something with state income tax for people who are S-Corps, but they were late to the table with the forms and the process and in order to capitalize on it, you've got to shell out money now and then wait for it back later. But all of this translates into, well, I don't know, maybe it isn't smart to file our S-Corp by March the 15th to capitalize right. on this. Right. But that's what you don't see as a business owner. That was nowhere in my plan for the day, right? right. But I took the call from the CPA and I weighed my options and and I felt for a moment, I'm, and because it's three o'clock in the day when we're having this conversation, yeah. I'm really ready to yell at him. Not yell at him, but right. yeah, it's like that elevated of, oh my God, one more thing. Yeah, yeah. So when you start to pay attention to your cues and have experience in listening to boundaries and self-regulation and starting somewhere to believe it's all going to be okay, you give yourself a moment to calm down and now you're not act responding out of emotion you just not ideal but i can live with it but it's these are the it's everyone's like well your days are never dull and i'm like yeah but that's not yeah. necessarily what i was looking for there's other days that i joke i'm like i can't even believe i'm good at hr anymore which i am yep. but there's days i don't even touch it QuickBooks, yeah. technology, yeah. marketing strategy. So I know this plays well, though, with being able to relate to the average entrepreneur, because I know they sit in the same place that I do, stretching themselves way too thin across multiple buckets as they make decisions on when's the right time to add somebody to payroll to do that. There, there's just so much about these these expectations. Like, do I expect to struggle? We, you, As you're describing it, right? The, these are the experiences that we all have. And I guess I want to keep pushing back on, does it have to be this way? It's a really fair point. I, I hope maybe not. Maybe you'll get me to join you in this journey of does it have yeah. to be this way? Because right, there are right. some days that I'm like, I, I'm only at it four hours, but it was four hours of such a heavy lift. I, yeah. I got to step away. I got to go for a walk or something or I'm going to crack. Well, and, and one of the things that you and I talked about before we hit record on this is you had told me about how important it is for you to be connecting the heart and the head and listening to your body. Hearing that you describe that as you tell your story, that these are the things that you do. I wanted to bring that up because I think that just tuning into those pieces rather than just reacting to and, and trying to get as much crap off our table as quickly as possible, when we, we tune into ourselves, I think part of us says, well, I don't have time for that, right? I don't have time to tune into myself. That's a luxury. I've got all of this stuff to do. And so many people are depending on me. And we, we, we tell ourselves those stories. Mm -hmm. True. Um, so this idea of the, how hard, how difficult does this have to be? How much struggle do I really need to put into this? Because even, again, this is why it was coming up for me as I was examining this, because there was a part in my life where I thought I was doing everything that I was supposed to be doing. I, oh, yes, I'm struggling, but again, I expect it to be, and then my health blows up. Now, to me, I wish that I would have 
questioned the importance or the necessity of struggle before my health blew up. You were also talking about relationships earlier, right? I think that we pay, when we live in that struggle, we pay with our relationships, we pay with our finances because we often want then to, to go out and buy solutions that we hope are gonna solve our problems, which may or may not. So relationships, our finance, our health definitely takes a hit mm -hmm. and our overall sense of well-being. Yeah. And if, if I want to be the leader that is creating a culture within my organization where I value well-being, I have to model that with myself. Right. And that's what I meant by trickle down earlier. Uh -huh. um, it's hard for me sometimes because let's face it, Inspiring HR is one of my kids. I started yes. Inspiring HR when my other kid was three. Oh, wow. So, and now she's in college. So, yeah. And part of my own passion back then was, I can't go back to corporate America. They'll eat right. me alive. I am not disciplined enough. Yeah. In 2020, I probably would have worked less hours, but I still would have been beholden to somebody who would make me take PTO to go to the dentist. I mean, there's just, you can, I could have a totally separate conversation about things that are broken in corporate America. But anyway, yeah. I did what made sense for me. And by and large, that was for me to do what I'm good at, something that was mine, but actually grow it in a very slow and calculated way so that I could go back to work, but still get my daughter at that time on and off the school bus. That yeah. was my original want and why on a personal yeah. level of this. Let me, let me, if I could interrupt you there. Yeah, go ahead. So, so when you were, you started this uh, business, you were able to uh, structure your day so that you could get your daughter on and off the bus mm -hmm. every day. I was. Yep. Did that, did that hold back your business in any way? Yeah, it did when I first, okay. and I had to be okay with it. Now everyone, look, there is absolute importance, particularly for professional services and where I am, the Richmond, yeah. Virginia area, is that you go out and you shake the hands and people consistently yeah. see you and hear from you and you do the speaking gigs and you network, right? And you join yeah. groups that allow you to network. Absolutely critical. And then you've got people that want to meet with you as an element of those those networking events and i've learned so much from all of that but back then yeah a 7:30 bni group was never going to work for me i said no to those for years yeah and i still do now because i don't want to go to a network now i've gotten the point i could go i don't want to go to a 7:30 right. in the morning meeting and thankfully along the way i've i've earned enough wiggle room, so to speak, to say, yeah. no, thanks, I'd rather do lunch or brunch. Right. Um, but yeah, but it, we, it probably, I probably could have accelerated our sales faster if I would have been willing to do the 7.30 in the morning networking meetings, maybe, I don't know, but I yeah. know I said an awful lot of no back then for anything before nine o'clock in the morning. I also think I heard you say earlier that you were intentional about growing it slow. I was. Is it, or, okay. Yeah. yeah well, so, I mean, so intentional in that look. If you can't tell, I'm Type A, a little competitive. Uh -huh. I do uh -huh. like being successful. Let's, I'm, of course, I'll be real about that. Um, but my daughter came first and foremost for a long time. Um, I even took career hiatus for some people can't believe it. From when she was born until we moved here, I was pretty much on career hiatus for about two and a half years. Mm -hmm. So, um, the, her being the priority and me being able to work on my business, but still get her to, at that time, still get her to preschool, exercise at the Y, 
go to some go to some networking meetings, pick her up from preschool, and then do some work in the evening for the business I had earned. I mean, that's that's what I did for a few years, and every dime that was earned got invested back into the business. But I got to credit my husband with some of that. A lot of people don't have the luxury of saying I can build a business; I don't need income from it for two years. I had that luxury. He and I make a nice balanced pair of. Sometimes it's my turn. Sometimes it's his turn. Well, and I think that's an important point um, because, again, when we're in the struggle, when we're in that that struggle space, it's hard for us to see alternatives. And that's one of the reasons why I have these conversations mm-hmm. is so that through hearing the stories of others, we may hear what might might work for us. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I believe that there's no one right way of doing anything. No, nope. uh, I think you know you've mentioned there's it no earlier, one right but... way because there's no two people that are exactly the same with the same exactly. circumstances, the same personality, the same thought yeah. processes. You you have to do trial and error and learn and figure out what works for you. And the other thing that I heard from your story is that you've been always clear on that vision. And so what I'm hearing is that vision always kept pulling you back. Now, some priorities may have had to be adjusted, maybe putting your daughter first for a while and, and until you had the opportunity to put work more uh, in, the, in the center. Mm-hmm. But I'm also hearing you talk about how important it is to pay attention to yourself mm-hmm. and, and listen to yourself and not just get caught up in all of the drama. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> caught up in the drama. Well, another reason why I don't miss corporate America. And I would bet almost everybody in our team, even the people on our team that says, I didn't know if I could make remote work work for me because I'm more of an extrovert and I like to be around people. I'm not saying remote work works for everybody. I'm not getting into a debate with Jamie Diamond or Disney or Netflix or whoever else is demanding that people go back to the office. If that, if they decide that's what they need that works for them and their leader team in that culture, have at it. But we don't need it. And one of the reasons I don't want it um it's not because i don't want to spend money on a lease it's because we are all doing far better work being on our own little islands where we can get quiet and focus and leverage technology to stay connected because when we're in our home offices we don't get hallway ambushed by other people where time is wasted and then you give part of your day away to some of the drama that ensue in the office environment that can really bring you down. It can, it can really be deflating and take away from your focus. So yeah, so speaking of drama, (laughs) I don't miss it. Yeah, Yeah, particularly when you're a focused individual with a list and things to get done and then you have the the leader that no one's quite sure what they do and when they wander down the hall and wander into your office and put their feet up and say, so how's your day? And I'm like, get out of here. I have like five things to get done before five o'clock. I think that all of this is really leading to one of those big questions about leadership and what it takes to be a strong leader. And so let's close with those thoughts. What do you think it takes to be a strong leader? I would have given you a different answer 10 years ago, I think. I'll give you my modern day answer. A strong leader right now, if you're serious about the culture being a great place to work, you gotta let go of being a control freak. Because uh, micromanaging doesn't work. It's not for you, not for anybody. It just doesn't work. If you have trust issues, for whatever reason, I don't know if you should be leading people. Okay. 
Or if you see the worst in everybody and they have to prove the best to you, you probably shouldn't be leading people. But that depends. What are you going to do to invest in to change those perspectives? Yeah. But aside from that, um, what makes a leader strong? What makes a leader strong is having the courage to admit they don't know everything and surrounding themselves with people that will, in essence, make the collective group smarter, worrying about the higher hierarchy, being willing to take people on a journey where you build trust over a period of time without thinking that leadership is do it my way or the highway. You, you really have to foster collaboration and treat people as individuals. Um, I, don't even know if, I don't even know if I like the term human resources anymore. Are people really resources? I, I, I don't know. That's my little pet peeve with what the, na- the current name of my profession is. Yeah. It is what it is, but I think the, the best, strongest leaders, um, they're comfortable with getting it wrong on occasion, admitting they make mistakes, and they commit to learning and growing and improving every day, just like everybody else that they're asking to go on this journey with them. I think that's what makes a strong leader. Would you say that that's a leader that really leads with the heart? Maybe the mind too. I'm not cutting that out, but is that what you would call heart-centered leader? I would call that heart-centered leadership for sure. Yeah. 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 I, you know, sometimes even when we give clients advice, Mm -hmm. I I get what they're coming from. They're ticked off about this employee because in their mind, they took a huge withdrawal out of their 401k or invested their life savings in creating this business. They took a chance Mm -hmm. on hiring employees and now an employee has, has violated their trust, disappointed them. They're, they're quick to want to, they're quick to want to react by emotion and say, I'll get them. I'll fire them. I'll deny their leave request, uh, whatever it is. But back to the point of leadership with heart, where I always make decisions, um, whether it's for me, it's for my family, it's for people on our team, it's for our clients. If that were me, how would I want to be treated? Or if that were my kid, how would I want them to be treated? And that's where I push back on people who somewhat are are making decisions in a a moment of anger. And they may be completely justified in their anger, by the way. Sure. But if you really yeah. step back to make a good, solid leadership decision that will pay dividends with credibility and not violating trust with everybody else that's watching, it really helps to step back and say, okay, if that was my kid or my spouse or even me, how would mm-hmm. I want to be treated? And then yeah. you can really rethink the right thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. And again, that goes back to what you had told me off camera is connecting the head, the heart and the body and listening to all of that. Um, Because when we don't, our nervous system takes over and we can't show up in the way that you just described. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel myself, I feel fortunate that through trial and error for the team that we have now, we're just, we're a better team now than ever because of little things that we did to improve along the way. Even for ourselves, we introduced new core values, which will redefine our culture and we'll be in the, a more clearer roadmap for gray area decision making for how we caretake of each other and our own culture. But that will positively spill over into how we build relationships with our clients and provide service to them. And it's, it's just a, a, a continuous improvement journey for sure. Fantastic. Mindy, where can people find you? Uh, on LinkedIn. I'm quite active on LinkedIn. It's something I would not have said five years ago. <laughs> <laughs> 
So you can find Mindy Flanagan on LinkedIn. We also have an inspiring HR page that we're active on. It's I probably, if you ask me which social media platform we leverage the most, it is LinkedIn. I mean, that's where okay. B2B people are, yeah. are the most. Um, inspiringhr.com, right in our contact page, you'll get dumped into our CRM, but ultimately you'll be routed to me or a member of our team. Um, or M Flanagan, F-L-A-N-I-G-A-N at inspiringhr.com or call our main line, 804-715-1920 and I'm at extension 646. Fantastic. We will have all of those links in the show notes uh, and the phone number and, and email address in there for your, the listeners as well. Mindy, thank you so much for sharing yourself with us today and um, really giving some insight into an HR vision of leadership, especially for entrepreneurs. I mean, yeah. I, I think that's a, a big thing. We know our business, we know what we do, but HR can be one of those really messy things that we, maybe we just kind of kick down the road a little bit and then oh, ugh. easy to push yeah. it to the bottom of the list. Maybe you don't want to do that anymore. Yeah. So thank you so much for having me. It is always such a pleasure chatting with you. Thank you for listening. Are you ready to play and experiment with these ideas so that you too can live your purpose, expand your impact and create with ease? Join us at Fully Alive on Facebook. We've created this space to explore the effects these practices and principles can have on your own experience. And if you're feeling the nudge to explore what coaching can do for you, send me an email at mary at bluebambooleadership.com. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, be fully alive.